1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 40 of Take a Bow. I mean this is insane episode 40. I'm so excited. I'm in such a good mood. I've been listening to Adina Menzel's Spotify playlist of Broadway tunes on repeat. Local theaters opened this week and I mean you can just feel New York starting to regain some of its magic. Movie theaters are reopening so let's continue to do our part and we can see Everyone on stage again, obviously in different capacity, but it's definitely going to be wonderful to get back into theaters and see all of our favorite things happen on stage. Uh, With that being said, this wraps up Our Black History Month. And first of all, I just want to thank all of the guests that have come on and shared their stories with us during this month and prior, because this month was really, really special. And there were a lot of amazing guests that were brought on to tell their story. And you could tell there was a common theme with the, the guests this month who are all using their platforms to do good and better the arts and the future of art. So, thank you to everyone again. That's Dewan, that's Cody, that's Jonathan, and that's Q, who is this week's guest. But first, I want to remind you all that there are also a lot of other episodes where we have some wonderful Black artists who shared their stories. And that's Sierra Renee, that's Shahadi Wright-Joseph, that's Sierra Renee, that's Salisha Thomas, that's Lexi Underwood, that's Jeremy Bias, and many more. So, So go check them out. And if it's your first time listening this month, go check out all the other ones that we have and continue to amplify their voices. And I know I definitely learned a lot from talking to all of them. So hopefully you all can do the same and just go check those out if you haven't already. And before we turn it over to the interview with our lovely guest this week, Q Smith, let's talk about some news. So I'm not sure if all of you have been watching, but it's been really, really cool. Every Friday of February, Broadway for Racial Injustice has hosted a live little YouTube stream and they're calling it Revival. And what it is, is three people perform a song and it's literally about a 15-minute show and three people you know talk about their experiences and their stories and they perform a song it's literally 15 minutes and it's these amazing artists are coming and they're singing and they're expressing a story you really feel like you're like watching them on a stage because they're not at their homes like they're in like a little studio and they're just giving this beautiful performance and so those are all on YouTube but if you want to watch it live it's Friday at 7 p.m eastern standard time so that's for California, Pacific time, et cetera. So that's definitely something that I would check out. Their final one of the month is obviously tomorrow, February 26th. So go check it out and go check out the previous ones if you've missed them, because I promise it's worth it. And it's literally 15 minutes and you're going to be thankful you did. And speaking of doing live little concert performances, I'll give you all another reminder next episode, but mark your calendars for Saturday, March 6th. That's next Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time again, because the cast of Jagged Little Pill is hosting a benefit concert to benefit four incredible charities and the tickets to get the link to like watch it are free and donations of course are always welcome So check that out next Saturday. I mean, I love Jagged Little Pill. And if you haven't seen Jagged Little Pill, I promise you, you're going to fall in love with it, and you should see it after COVID, and hopefully, like, when Broadway reopens, so does that show, because it's amazing. Even if you haven't seen Jagged Little Pill, like, I'm sure there's someone in it who you're fans of, and they're going to be doing this concert, and it's incredible, and they're all so talented, so go check that out for sure. It's free at 7 p.m. next Saturday. I know I'll be watching, so... I I'd love to hear what you all have to think about that. And it's just another event that people are expressing themselves and in, in creating art for and entertainment for all of us so i'm really excited about that and a few other things that i'm really excited about uh a few things were announced yesterday february 24th on wednesday a few disney plus original like tv shows were announced their their dates were announced so for either a new season or their premiere so the first one is the mighty ducks game changers we talked about it a lot on luke islam's episode who got the golden buzzer and america's got talent their series premiere is going to be on march 26 that's literally like a month away i'm so excited luke islam's in it past take bow, guest i can't wait for it obviously like mighty ducks i'm a huge fan i'm a huge fan of hockey so i'm a huge fan of the mighty ducks and i can't wait to see how that goes and i can't wait to see that and how that goes and what they end up doing with it as a little spin-off and two previous take about guests are going to be in season two of high school musical the musical the series and uh, that's joe serafini and andrew barth feldman they were literally like both of them were our first like five interviews and so that's really exciting so and i can't wait to see what they end up doing because they're not going to be doing high school musical anymore but it's still called high school musical the musical the series and they're going to do beauty and the beast this year and we're going to see andrew Barth Feldman as a new character i can't wait and of course joe seraphini kill it as always so very exciting things happening for our previous guests and friends of the podcast so i couldn't be more excited Uh, and and don't forget to like save the date so High School Musical is May 14th and Mighty Ducks Game Changer is March 26th mark your calendars and now to a little sadder topic Bette Midler kind of just retired on us y'all so in an interview with Parade Magazine she revealed that she believed her time on stage is over and she plans to like fade away from like the industry like slowly just like not do shows so i don't know i never really thought about it but like i don't know if people like actually retire in this industry but like she kind of just just like i'm not gonna be doing any shows and it's kind of my time on stage is over and i was like no but like honestly her name will forever be remembered and honored on broadway She's literally a legend in the industry and like in the world. So, her time may be done on Broadway, but she will always live on Broadway and she'll always have a special place on Broadway. And she's done so much for Broadway and the arts in general. So, thank you to Bette Midler for everything that you've done. And we wish you the best in whatever you may do during retirement. I don't know what you want to call it, but. Yeah, I was like, "Holy cow! I I can't believe that, you know, I'm never going to be able to see her in a show again." And I'm grateful that I was able to see her in her last one, which was Hello Dolly. So thanks again, Bette Midler. You're a true icon and legend of the industry. So I've talked your ears off enough. Um, let's turn it over to our amazing interview with Q Smith from Broadway's Come From Away and much more, and we'll get all into that during the interview so without further ado q smith curtain up Today's guest is an award-nominated actress for her performance in Come From Away, she is also known for her role as Miss Andrews in the Broadway production of Mary Poppins and was in the first revival of Les Mis on Broadway and so much more. So welcome to Take a Vow, Q Smith.
0: Well, thank you for having
1: me, Eli. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this. It's so great to reconnect with you and just catch up and all of your amazing things that you've been doing since we met on the Mary Poppins tour but before we get into all of this, how did you get into theater? Like, what was that moment for you where you were like, oh, yeah, like, I love theater and this is something that I want to do?
0: Yeah, so I started doing plays at my church in Nebraska, um, like Christmas plays and Easter plays. And I thought that was really cool. I was really young. Oh my God. My mom and grandmother were over the drama department and... So I started there, but I didn't know that I could make it into a career. So I went to high school and I was in the choir and did the plays and the musicals. And I was like, this is actually kind of fun. But I still didn't know that you could like major in it in college. <laughs> and a teacher of mine encouraged me to apply to colleges. In that time, I was probably between 10th and 11th grade. I was discovering what Broadway shows were. I had never heard of Broadway shows. And unlike you, mister. Right. So Lane Miz came to my hometown and I saw it I think I was in 11th grade and I saw Lee Min's on tour and that's when I was like this is what I want to do
1: oh my god that was the first show you saw
0: that was the first show I ever saw Mm -hmm.
1: that's amazing
0: yeah (laughs) and ended up
1: wow and then you were on Broadway oh my god Yes. That's unbelievable. Wait, so before we begin, you use the name Q Smith, and I heard the story of how that came to be, and I absolutely loved it. Will you share that story of how the name Q Smith was kind of born? Because that's what you use for your Broadway name.
0: I do. So, <laughs> so around the same time in high school, it, it was a couple of things that led to it. But there was a movie called Juice that came out, and there was a character. It was a guy. His name was Q. And a friend of mine, we performed together last, she said, did you see that movie last night or whatever? And I was like, yeah. So I'm going to start calling you Q. I like that. And I was like, okay, you can call me Q. (laughs) And at the same time, I was teaching preschoolers at a daycare. And the requirement was for them to call you Mr. or Mrs. such and such. And they couldn't say Miss Kiana. They were like three and four-year-olds. They couldn't say Kiana. So I was like, oh, I'm going to use Miss Q. So they started calling me Miss Q. And then it kind of got shortened to Q. Then I went to college and I just introduced myself as Q. And it kind of stuck. And so when you join the Equity League, you know, there has to be no duplicate names, right? So if your name is Jen Smith, there cannot be another Jen Smith. So it has to be Jen H. Smith. So I was like, is there a Q? And they're like, no. It's like there's no Q in the system. Like, no, I was like, I will take it with the period, please. Q Smith, and it's uh, is, 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 is uh, wonderful oh because people don't forget it. It's catchy, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I booked Les is <laughs> because of my name. That's a whole other story. Oh, really? I don't know if that's the only reason, but oh my God. the director was very interested in my name and kept asking me questions about my name. He's like, Q, what does Q stand for? Uh. And he's like, hmm, okay, Miss Q. And again, like making jokes about it. Okay, Q. And when I left the room, I said, okay, you know my name. What is your name? Now, at the time, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know. Right. He was just a man in the audition room walking around me in a circle, which was really strange. He he had no socks or shoes on. He was just walking around me as I was performing in the audition room. And I thought that was odd. And he was talking to me oh as God. I was singing. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> And I was leaving the room and I said, okay, what's your name? And everybody behind the audition table cracked up. They were like hitting the table and just laughing. And I was like, oh no, I must've made a fool of myself. And he said, oh, I'm John Cairn. I'm the director. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll see you later. Oh <laughs> and so I booked the show and he, the first day of rehearsals, he was going around talking about why he cast this person. and. This person and that person, he said, in Q, man, I, I hired Q because she didn't know who the F I was. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, and he said, he said, he's like, and oh I love it. God. I'm glad she didn't know who I was. So he, was like ignorance
1: is bliss i guess yes just being candid you know like that's amazing i love that you were, like the fact that he was walking around you like barefoot though like while you were singing like right it's so bizarre that's but that's such a that's such a great story to like carry along with you during your whole journey yeah that's awesome yeah. so let's get into les mis this is your broadway debut and like you took on Maybe one of the hardest tasks on Broadway in being a swing in Lame is correct. 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 Okay, so what was that experience like?
0: It was something else, you know. Growing up, you know, I I love the show. You know, I just listened to the soundtrack like it was. I don't know, like it was water. I just kept I listening to it like it was. I don't even know the right analogy for it. Just all the time, I had it on repeat, and so I knew every word, every yeah. Name everything I knew everybody's lines I knew everything about it so when I booked the swing I was so excited because I could do everything I had dreamt of doing I'm like oh my god I can sing this part oh my god I can sing this part oh my god I can sing this part ah! it was like a dream come true and so being a swing or an understudy is not everyone's gig everyone does not do it well and it's not everyone's calling but definitely it was mine and I Mm. loved every rehearsal playing all the tracks and it was a lot of work it was very challenging vocally and we made it happen I think because of that challenge I was able to do Miss Andrew and Mary Poppins yeah I think I think one one thing leads to the next
1: absolutely and the fact that like that was the first show that you like ever saw like Les Mis and then just like being able to like go do that and make your Broadway debut in that show I mean that just had to be so special to like finally make it to the stage in the first show that like made you fall in love with it that's so it's just such a cool story thank you how many roles did you cover in Les Mis eight. Oh my god eight roles geez whiz how do you keep track of all of that like how do you like just randomly go on for any role that you're called upon that night
0: And sometimes you would have to go on for two people at once. You have to do a double track or something like that. You put on this person's costumes, but you're singing this track for this person. Um, And those were the craziest days. And um, so what I did, I came up with this system. I got a bunch of note cards and what I would do is each note card, let's say each track had a set of, let's say 13 note cards, right? And I would buy you know, those little rings, those silver rings, and I would punch holes in the corner of the note cards Oh, sure. and put them on the ring. So what I would do is each card was each scene. So for, for, for one person, so one ring, 13 cards was for one track. Oh my God. So I would draw a diagram, which is the, the turntable on each of the 13 cards. And I would write, <laughs> like, do a diagram where they need to be for this scene, right? So then the next postcard was was for scene two. And I had the turntable in a circle. And then I would make a diagram where they need to be for scene two. And on the back of that, I would say what line they said or sang. And each set of note cards was a different color. So if Becca was out, she was blue. So I had all the note cards on the rings above mm. my dressing room sofa. Someone was out. I'm like, okay, Karen is out. She's yellow. I'll grab the yellow stack. And I it was, they were small enough where I put in my corset. And so I was able to look at them really quickly, mm. pull them out of my corset. And it worked, and I, people started stealing my idea. Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you originated it, you know? <laughs> I love that. That's so freaking cool. But with such, like, a big production I don't know if you've been a swing, like, after Les Mis, but, like, with such a big production like like Les Mis, like, do you feel that, like, being a swing for that particular show, like, takes more, like, focus and, like, work ethic and, like, all of that just because of how big the production is?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can definitely get hurt in that show because of the turntable, because it was a raised stage, because of so many people on set, because of the barricades the drops coming in and out and as a swing, you know if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, man, which happened a couple of times, but it didn't happen often. I'm proud of myself. Uh-huh. The the cast members should not even recognize that something has changed, that someone is new on. They shouldn't even recognize that the normal person is being replaced. You need to just step in so seamlessly and do your job so well that they their show is the same. They don't have to change anything. So that that was the goal. It's just to be seamless, just to be a, like a little ninja.
1: Wow. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. Like, swings have, like, one of the coolest jobs on Broadway, but also, like, one of the toughest. So, like... I applaud anyone who is a swing and just has done it before. Like kudos to you guys for just doing what you do and doing it so well. Um, But like, so you were in the first revival and like you said that there was a fair show you ever saw. And then, a couple of de- years like down the line, you know, you're in come from away and then the second revival of Lame Is is across the street from you. So like did you ever have like any moments where you could like go visit or like I don't know, like was there anything special because it was your Broadway debut? So I'm sure the show is special to you. Like, did you have any cool moments because of it was on the same block as you? Like um,
0: actually come from away is behind the theater.
1: Oh, it's behind it. Okay. So, so
0: Les Mis was on 43rd and Come From Away is on Forty Four. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of connected mm-hmm. via Schubert Alley. Right. Yeah, but they're, they're they're not across the street from each other, but they're right back to back, which is, you just, you're the first person that made me think of that. They're actually back to back. Yeah. But what was connected to Les Mis at the time was um, the revival of a chorus line. Ah. It was funny because there's a sort of secret passage door that you can go through and end up in the wings of their theater. So I would be in costume sometimes, in full Lamez costume with corsets, and I would find this little door and I would go into the wings and watch a chorus line i watch them perform and it was so magical and they found out that I was doing it and then they started coming over to us when they could and watching us and waving in the oh my god <laughs> and they're in their leotard and stuff that
1: was fun I'm obsessed that fun. that's incredible I mean it's so cool to just like you you know you find things that just like you just works and then like people see it and then people want to do the same thing and like you create all of these great memories the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dw we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Speaking of great memories, let's transition into Mary Poppins because that is how we met. Um we we had a short little stint together, but um that being said, the time that I had with you was just incredible. Your voice is unbelievable. But you started out on the Mary Poppins tour. And then they moved you to Broadway because of the success that you were having on tour. So let's talk about the tour first. What was it like to go on tour? Like, I believe that was your first touring production, right? No,
0: I had done many tours before that. That
1: was my first. Oh. That
0: was the largest touring production I had ever done. I think I have counted. I think I've done... Thirteen tours or something like that, all together. I have to
1: recount. No but, um, way.
0: Yeah, I've been, I've been around. Look yeah. at you! I gotta, <laughs> I gotta,
1: I gotta check my sources on here. Um, that's incredible. Thirteen tours. Oh my god. So, what do you have like a favorite place that you've ever like gone to on tour with the show?
0: Yeah, I mean, gosh, they have been. I've seen almost all fifty states because of touring. Um, I've seen every place except Alaska and. Wow. Alaska, Montana, and Rhode Island—random. So those are the only three places I've never been in the states. Uh, but one of my favorite places that I've seen on on tour, specifically Oregon, Portland, Oregon. I really, really enjoyed myself.
1: And Colorado, yeah. it
0: was very nice. It was very nice. Yeah, doing the winter sports and winter activities—that was—that was beautiful. On our days off.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: and parts of California.
1: Mm -hmm. like what's your favorite thing about like going on tour with the production is it like you know seeing the world is it kind of like traveling with your castmates like what there's like so many things that are like so cool about touring do you have a favorite part
0: yeah I mean I think I learned the most about life from touring I tell students to tour all the time like if you can Mm. to get a tour or just go see the world you don't even have to work just like go and Go to europe for a few months you know or whatever just go see the world it will change and inspire your art yeah my favorite part was just meeting people and i discovered i love bike riding oh my god that's <laughs> because amazing. a lot of times on tour you don't have cars and uh i was like what's the easiest way to get around i was like let me just try bikes and so I get on a bike and you know, first of all it's good exercise and then it can take you places that are a little too far to walk but perfect for a bike ride and then you're you're not on a bus you're not on mass transportation You can take your time and feel the breeze and see the community that you're in and wow it's just a really good feeling (laughs) i love bike riding um i have to have a bike everywhere i go basically so another part of touring was just seeing the new cities and meeting the the locals i loved meeting. i love meeting the locals if i got paid a dollar for every local person I met that inspired me or told me something that was life-changing I would be a millionaire yeah, yeah I love meeting with people
1: oh my God. <laughs> yeah for sure it's so cool because on tour like you say like you go to all these new places so like for people that don't know about tours like when you go to a new state you know everyone backstage is almost completely different so, like, you have to, like, it, it's almost a different show in each state. I mean, obviously, the audience plays a huge part on that, the people backstage, at, and so much more. So, it, it's so true. Like, when you say you go to a new city, you know, you have to meet all of these new amazing people, and everyone is always so welcoming, and that's what I just love about this community of theater and just how amazing, like, and you really find yourself on tour as a person, and you meet all these great people, and... I think a lot of that has to do with like knowing who you are as a person and like you really do a lot of soul searching out on tour. So it's really, really cool. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: so you played the role of the bird lady on tour and Miss Andrews. However, when you transitioned to Broadway, you only played Miss Andrews, correct? Not the bird lady anymore. Correct. Okay. So were there any other changes that were in your track or were there any differences in the show as a whole from tour to Broadway? Or like, what was that like?
0: I think there were just minimal changes um, or differences, I should say. I know on tour, they changed, what was that spooky song that they sang for the kids? The original version? Playing
1: the Game. Ah, Temper Temper was the original version, right?
0: Temper Temper, thank you. Yep, Temper Temper. And so on tour, they changed it and they changed the song and it transferred to Broadway. And it was a new song. So that was kind of cool. But, you know, being there with the cast who had been there for since the beginning for six, seven years, that was a bit of a challenge because they knew each other. And I'm sort of this new girl who is like, who are you? (laughs) You know? Right. But, you know, I just showed up and I did my job. And that was basically it. Cameron McIntosh and gave me this opportunity of a lifetime. And I'm so grateful, so grateful for it.
1: Yeah, so, like, I mean, how excited were you to just, like, make that transition, I mean, to Broadway from the tour? And then you also, like, made history in the show of Mary Poppins. So, like, what was that experience like for you? Yeah,
0: you know, when I, when we got cast for the tour, they gave the cast members tickets to see the Broadway show. I saw the Broadway show. Oh. But even before that, before Mary Poppins even got to Broadway... I got a call from my agent asking me to audition for it. And I was like, Mary Poppins is going to Broadway. Now, mind you, I had never grown up with Mary Poppins. I did not know anything about Mary Poppins. I've heard of it, of course, but never seen the movie, never read the books. And I turned it down. Oh, wow. I was like, no, I don't think this is for me. Yeah. And so years later, I get a call saying, hey, do you want to audition for the tour? And by that point, Mary Poppins had been on Broadway for a few years. And I was like, Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. So I for the tour. I booked it as Miss Corey. And she's, you know, the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious wow. lady. Right. And that was fun. And it's always played by a woman of color. But I'm sitting in the audience watching the Broadway show with my friend, who turned out to be my boyfriend, who turned out to be my husband. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're sitting in the audience. Out comes Miss Andrew. It's like, oh, my God. This is amazing. And he whispered to me without even knowing what I was thinking. He's like, I can see you playing that part one day. And I was like, nah, they will never hire me. Except for Miss Andrew. And I was like, nah. Wow. And but in, in my heart, I was like, oh maybe one day. I would love to do something like that. And I did research, and there was no person of color who ever done that role before. And I also was looking at the old movie, and I'm like, there's nobody of color in this movie, okay, all right. And I was like, no, they're not gonna ever hire me. Right. So tour started and I was on tour for maybe a year or two and the, the cover became available. The woman who was understudying, the bird woman, became available. And I asked if I could understudy the bird woman and uh, auditioned for it and they said yes. And then the understudy for Miss Andrew became available. I think I'm saying this right. I have to, I'm getting old, honey. I can't remember everything. Um, no. <laughs> and I was like, I would love to audition for this. And I was like, I know that I'm probably not going to cast me because that role is specifically cast um, an older white female character actress, right? And she has, you know, facial, distinguished facial features and, um, They're typically tall and lean and look nothing like me Shit. and, you know, older. And I was this, I think I just turned 30 or something like that. And I was like, well, let me just give it a try. Even if I don't get it, I want them to keep their minds open at least for someone who looks like me mm-hmm. to maybe book the role. And I surprised myself. I was like, oh, this is, I did better than I thought. And um, I think I surprised our director too. And he was like, hmm. And he said, "Well, you know, we still have to audition, so we're going to fly you to New York for the final auditions." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I'm in the, at this, in the audition, you know, waiting room, and nope, there's nobody that looks like me. They're all exactly what I said—all white women, older, very distinguished features. And I was like, "Okay, well, I'll just give it my best." Yeah. And I auditioned, and I booked it, and I was like, "What?"
1: Oh my and God. ended
0: up you know, taking the role over in New York, I mean, in, in on, on tour. And Cameron McIntosh saw it, I guess, a, a rehearsal or something, and I guess asked if I was interested in closing the Broadway show. And I was like... Come on,
1: that is awesome.
0: It is awesome. So I was the first person to do the combined track. I think I, I messed up some parts in describing it. But on tour, I did the first combined track of Miss Andrew and the Bird Woman and now they're doing that all over because you don't have to pay two people to do it you can actually have the same person do it I was the first person to do that and first person of color to do that and then on Broadway I was only playing Miss Andrew which was a dream come true and I surprised my parents they had no idea I've been transferred to Broadway wow and playing this role I come out as Queen Victoria and they're like what in the world I flew my parents to New York a couple of nights before my opening night and I said, I, I'm on a layoff. We have a few days off before I have to go back on tour. Why don't you guys come in New York with me and we'll see some shows. No. Flew them out. And I said, let's go see Mary Poppins. Cause my best friend had been transferred from Broadway, I mean from tour to Broadway in the ensemble. And I said, let's go see Tiffany, you know, go see her shine on Broadway. And they're like, okay. And I said, I'll meet you there. Um, I have a rehearsal. <laughs> I'll meet you there. But know, yeah, the tickets are right at the door and everything and whatever. And out I come is Miss Andrew. And I knew where they were sitting. And my mom, she's looking at the program and she's like flipping through the pages, like, what is happening? Is that Kiana? Because I'm a Mickey. no. And she starts crying. She's doing this. She's like, oh my God, oh my God. And so I surprised them and wow. <laughs> it was the best surprise. It was the best. I love surprises.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's just such a cool story. Not only, like, you have so many, like, historical things here. Like, you, you've you created these amazing things that, like, people are now doing because of you. And, like, you've done that in, like, all the shows that we have talked about so far. Like, that's incredible. And, like, kudos for you for just going out there and being like, you know, no no one's ever done this, but I'm going to do it. And, like, you're just putting your foot out there and, like, stuff is, like working out, kudos to you. That's huge. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, of course. You're like that is literally so cool. That's such a cool story. And I love the fact that you surprised your parents and the fact that it like you pulled it off the way that you did, like that's awesome. Like it just is such a cool story. I love I'm loving hearing all of these amazing things that you've done. So let's talk about another amazing thing that you've done and that's you opened the show on Broadway and come from away. So how long exactly have you been with Come From Away?
0: Gosh, it's the longest job I've ever had, really. <laughs> Although I had to leave for maternity leave. Right. Um, I think we started in 2016, 15 or 16.
1: Okay. Were you with it before it came to Broadway or did you join the cast like for the Broadway opening?
0: No, I was in the original production. Well, the original, original oh my God. workshop and production was done in Canada, I believe, with some students. They did a short version of it, and then they did um, a workshop of it for New York Theater Festival. Mm. Um, and I was not a part of that. But I was a part of the first full production at La Jolla Playhouse, The first original. Wow. And that was really cool. I've always wanted to work at La Jolla Playhouse. I've always wanted to be a part of an original Broadway show. And I auditioned for that show. I was doing Mary Poppins in Arkansas at a regional theater. Oh, wow. And my agent called and said, hey, there's, they're looking for you know someone to play this role. And I was like, okay, but I'm not you know in New York. So I put myself, I recorded myself. And the whole week they kept sending me things I was getting callbacks, I guess, and they kept sending me scripts and sides and asking me to do this. Can you do this dialect? Actually, can you read for this part? No, read for this part. Can you sing this all week? Wow. And I was in tech rehearsal and doing Mary Poppins. So, you know, you did a 10 out of 12. So getting out of rehearsal and then going to try to memorize these sides with this weird dialect. And I was like, what? Dialect is this? Where is Newfoundland? Never even heard of this story, right? never even heard of the story until I saw until I booked the show so yeah oh it took about five days and they were finally like okay you booked it I never met the director in person or anything and so two weeks later went to Loyola Playhouse and started working on this show I, I always call it the train that could and the train that did I was like I think I can I think I can I did I did it was a tiny <laughs> show that just made its way yeah. and great and people received it so well and here we are today, and it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa,
1: whoa. What is it like to, like, portray a true story and, like, a true human being? Like, what is that like, and, like, is there any, like, sort of added pressure when you're performing, you know? Like, you have to do her story, Hannah's story, right? Like, I don't know, like, what, what goes into that?
0: Yes, all of the above. There okay. is added pressure, there is, but only... The pressure that you put on yourself because once you meet the people, it's like, oh they, they you know, she gave us her seal of approval, um, her whole family did, and Aww. she is a little Irish woman. People don't oh, know right. that. She's a little Irish woman from Ireland who lives in what they live in Long Island, in Brooklyn or something. And <laughs> I'm portraying this woman who looks nothing like me. Right. But I thank the director and the writers for saying that although you don't look like this person you can still tell her story the mm-hmm. story is still true and uh, i tell it as honest as possibly as possible i just do my best you know and i was hoping the whole time they wouldn't fire me from all the little productions we did regionally because they were trying to figure out you know who fits what is this and before we get to broadway you know because they are well in their rights to recast you know and i was like, please don't fire me i really want to stay with this show i was trying to work it out you know um, so it worked out, thank goodness, but creating this role, and, you know, putting your own blood, and sweat, and tears into this role, something that can go down in the books, you know, it was really, it's really a dream, it's really a dream come true, we worked really hard on the show, and uh, we all did, from production crew to the actors, okay.
1: yeah, well, it's so amazing, because like, not only is the story of come from away all about like community and togetherness but you totally see it on the stage because there really isn't like a true like lead character or anything like that like all of you guys on stage are all featured in your own way and like that is so cool like was that something like when you were creating the process and all of that, was that something that was always kind of like the plan and something that was talked about? I think so. I think because that's,
0: that's what really happened in, in Gander and Newfoundland. It was just this community of people and no one had a day off. I mean, the people of Newfoundland, they just gave up their time, gave of themselves They opened their doors. They fed these people. They were just nonstop. They never slept. And And these come from ways, these tourists, these people from all over the world, they had nowhere to go except here. And so everybody was together all the time. It was no break, which also led to them not having an intermission. There there used to be an intermission. And then they decided, well, I have an intermission. Like, nobody got a break there, so we shouldn't get a break, you know, here in the show. So they decided to cut the intermission, which was really smart. And so when you see the show, people want to applaud, you know, in the traditional way, you applaud after a number, but they don't really get the chance to, because the show keeps going, keeps going for an hour and a half, and it's now stopped. And so by the end of the show, there's a chance to finally applaud, and people just stand to their feet, and they're crying, and they're roaring, because they've been waiting to show their their love and appreciation for this story, and they just want to be a part of it so they stand to their feet and they yell and they it's just an amazing feeling i've never been a part of a production like that so there's a community on stage the actors but then there's this community in the audience as well and people get to know each other they get to know their neighbors they're everybody's so much nicer to each other and at the stage door we meet people and I'm like oh yeah we just met we just met and i'm gonna go visit her in arkansas and i'm gonna go visit her in california and People just have stories oh outside God. of the stage door. It's really, really neat.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a show that is so important right now in today's world. Um, and like you said, like when people are like meeting each other at the show, like everyone is literally nicer. I've seen the show like seven times, and every time I go, everyone is like the nicest audience ever. But it's so good. And you sing this beautiful song called, I'm here, I, I am here. And like you said, you were doing like the workshop and everything, like, were you always playing Hannah? Like, were you always singing that song or was that something kind of new?
0: That's a great question. It, it was a new song It during the uh, entire runs, I would say on tour, but at the regional theaters in Canada and Seattle, mm-hmm. in um, uh, California, in Washington, DC, the the song had never happened. The song was never in the show. And wow. our last little time in Toronto, I got a call to the office and I was like, this is it. This is before we go to Broadway. They're going to fire me. I just <gasps> know if they're going to fire me. No. I'm too young to play the part. I'm not, I don't have the right voice to do it. I kept thinking that to myself. No lie. I was like, this is it. I was like, good run. And everybody was there. The producers were there. The director was there. The writers were there. And I was like, gulp, 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 gulp. And they're like, hey, we want to run something by you. The writers, they just visited Hannah again, and they were inspired to write a song. And I was like, okay. And they're like, you want to hear it? And I was like, yeah. And they played it for me, and I just started crying. I was like, oh, this is such a beautiful song. And they're like, this is your song. I was like, yes. what? And they're like, no, we want you to sing this song. And it'll be added on the soundtrack, which we record in a couple of days. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> and... So we recorded the soundtrack, and I hadn't even learned the song in its entirety. I hadn't had time to sit with it. And so what happened at the recording was, because the writers hadn't had time to sit with the song either. They were just really inspired to write it, and they wrote it. They still wanted to make changes, but we only had a little bit of time left in the studio for the soundtrack. Everybody was under pressure. And so we record the whole soundtrack, and I'm the last one that day to record my song. And it was me and the writers and i would sing line by line so they would sing a line to me and i would sing the line and they were it. they would sing the next line i would sing the next line wow but we pieced it together like that because they kept wanting to make changes and then i was like can we just do one more take i only did two takes the line by line and then one final can i do this one more time without stopping wow and that's the take they to, yes. To, to, oh my god. Is that one? So, and I, I still hadn't had time for it to sit and we didn't have time to like, you know, have its little nuances and things, but it still turned out we're pretty pleased how it
1: turned out. Oh my god, amazing. It's literally arguably the most emotional song in the show. Like that is the part where I start to started to break down and just like let it all out because <laughs> it's so emotional and it, the way that you perform it is just incredible. Um
0: In the car before my kid's PTA meeting.
1: Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: I never win and tell.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But let's talk about like what you do like outside of Broadway. So on top of being a Broadway star and you're having a kid and you're raising him, you've been developing a curriculum entitled... Rehabilitative and Restorative Art Conditioning. Can you talk a little bit about this? Because I read a little bit and it's just incredible what you're doing. So can you tell us about the curriculum and what kind of inspired you to do it? Sure. The thing
0: is, I haven't honestly been working on it Gosh, there's so many things that are happening. Like you said, I haven't given it the time it needs and uh, the dedication that Mm -hmm. it's going to take to complete it and to finalize it and you know put my stamp on it i have not done that but what did inspire it was when i was telling you i was teaching at that daycare mm-hmm. um where i got the name um miss q it was a daycare and it was specifically for first class top-notch daycare but it was built for children in need people whether some of their parents were incarcerated or not there and sure this daycare wanted to give them the best service that they could quality service despite their, their situation. And so they hired me as their preschool drama teacher or whatever it was. And that was, I had never taught before. I had never done anything like that before, but I had to work there because I wanted a car that summer. And my parents were like, you want a car? You have to work. And I was like, okay, so I got this job at a daycare. And I was in charge of, the graduation, the preschoolers are graduating into kindergarten, so I was in charge of the graduation program. So I put together this program, taught them sign language, and we did dances, and we just did this whole thing for like an hour. They had different solos, and I just put it together, and I remember this mother coming to me. She had a tank top, she had rollers in her hair, she was wearing house shoes, and this was kind of like a formal event, you know, for as formal as you can be, I guess, for preschoolers. And she was just, it looked like she had just woken up. And she came to me with tears in her eyes, and she was like, I've never seen my kid be so good. Thank you so much. You've been such a good boy. Thank you so much. And I was like, huh. And I had to think about, When I started with these kids to the time I finished with them, how the arts really helped transform their lives, how they started to listen and how the the discipline that it takes to learn all the things they needed to learn for this graduation and how excited they were to share their stories in front of people. And I was like, huh. So that was one thing. And then my brother, who has passed away, he we used to perform together as kids, like recite poetry and um sing to songs and stuff like that, and go to different high schools and elementary schools during Black History Month and portraying different Black History figures. He was Martin Luther King, and that was Rosa Parks, and so on and so forth. And when he wasn't performing, oh my god, we couldn't find him. He was in trouble. He was getting into something, and so but every time we found him was ready to perform and he was so talented. And um, I'm like, you know what? If I can build a school of the arts integrated with the juvenile detention center, because when we couldn't find that he was in juvie for small, small, petty things, he came, every time he came out, he came out worse because it's not really rehabilitative. The system is not rehabilitative at all. Mm. And I'm like, well, what if we combine the juvenile system with like an arts program? You know, what if we do something like that? So it started that vision and an idea started when I was pretty young um, with my brother. And then when I went to teach, it continued. And so I just started working on a curriculum trying to help students with learning disabilities and um, behavioral problems um, get inspired and help them with discipline and focus through through the arts. So I'm still I'm still developing it's this in my heart more so than on paper. You know what I mean? It's it's something that I try to do yeah. when I go and do workshops or teach. I try to implement a couple of ideas that I have to see what works and what doesn't.
1: That's incredible. I mean, just to have that as like a thought and a goal, you know, like it's so much easier to like really form something when it is something that like you're really interested in that you really want to do. So I have no doubt that soon enough, you know, look for you and that beautiful, beautiful program that you're going to create because... It's just so amazing and it's definitely something that is needed. It's just, it's awesome what you're doing on and off the stage. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, thank you for doing this today. I'll let you go. I've taken up enough of your time, but this was so great to reconnect with you and get to know a little bit more about you. And I hope that you enjoyed your time and I loved hearing all your stories. So thank you for doing this. And I hope to catch up with you soon. Have a wonderful day. You are the best and I appreciate you and your time. All right. Thank you so much. I'm really proud of you. You keep it up. Take about Q Smith. Oh my gosh, thank you, Q, for coming on the show. The story of her surprising her family and not telling them that she was making her Broadway debut and kind of just surprising them the way that they did was so awesome. And I love stories like that where creative people find creative ways to share with their loved ones some amazing and special news that literally ends up changing your life excuse me wait it wasn't her broadway debut it was her second broadway show her broadway debut of course was in les mis which also was extremely fascinating to hear about and the way that she like started so many things in Lay without even intending to like her experience being a swing in the way that she kind of went about it and with the flashcards and everything like that to keep, make sure that she stayed organized and she kept the tracks in order and then of course like finding secret passages to a chorus line like what that's so cool it was so much fun it was great to hear all of her amazing stories and I'm very fortunate that I was able to work with her for a short amount of time because I truly learned so much. It was also really cool to hear about uh, her making history in Mary Poppins and kind of what that meant to her. And of course, her experience in Come From Away. I mean, what a show. It is something that is so, so important. The story is incredible. And it's definitely a story that needs to be told during this time, uh, especially. And it's so true. Like When you go to that show, I don't know what it is (laughs) but you're like, you're nicer. Like as a human being, you like somehow become so nice. And because like what they're telling, the story that they're telling is all about community. And it's all about being nice to one another and being nice to strangers, literally strangers. And so what she said about like, you know, people come to the show and then they become lifelong friends of strangers they met in the audience. Like it's, it's incredible what that show does. And it's truly so important and something that's really special to have on Broadway. And like I said, especially during these times. So thank you, Q, for telling your story and helping, you know, everything in the arts, helping kids, you're always teaching, and go check her out at Cooperstar on Instagram. And you can visit her website at q.smith like (laughs) a.ham q.smith um it's actually really cool q.smith.com and it's it's great so she's the best lots of cool stories were told so i'm very thankful that i was able to get a chance to talk to her and learn about her experience and as well as to share that with all of you so with that being said let's turn it over to the drama dictionary and, okay, the drama dictionary this week is actually not going to be, like, definitions, but it's going to be lingo. So, if you are, like, if you do some acting and stuff, like, locally or whatever it may be, some lingo you may hear is, like, thank you, five, and it's a 2 do <laughs> And they, I know, they're so silly. I don't know who comes up with these, but they're they're so fun. And, like, I mean... You probably laughed when I said that because, like, who says that? But it's true. We say it, even on Broadway, and we are a bunch of children having fun on stage and playing together. So with that being said, Thank You Five is something you say when, like, the stage manager or the director or the union representative or whoever it may be they will say, like, oh, this is your five-minute call until we're back from break, or this is your five-minute call before the show, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, yeah, thank you, five. And and it's kind of like being a smart aleck, but, like, not really, because you're just having fun, and you're kind of just like, oh, yeah, like, we got that, we heard it. Because when you don't say anything, like, when you don't respond to someone, it's kind of weird. And they're always like, oh, well, like, did you hear it? Or, like, what? So, like, I guess that's kind of the purpose behind saying that and just saying like oh yeah thank you five like got it thank you for telling me but like thank you five minutes and like i don't know it's really fun and it's super strange and (laughs) i don't know we we we're just silly and we like kind of have fun with whatever we do end up saying during rehearsals and during a show and then of course a two doche, which is like gibberish (laughs) means two show day so if you noticed when I said it, you probably thought I said to show day, but it's just like reverse. So it's to doche." So basically, you replace the two prefixes of the last two words. Instead of to show day, it's to do, so like from day and then show goes to Shay. It's like, it's weird. And it's, it's fun. But like, that's definitely like something that you will hear when you have two shows in one day. So like, when you're entering the theater, you know, you have like a little call board, right? And you're like going to sign in and whatever it may be. And like, literally the first person that you end up seeing like anyone who's like, just got to the theater, you'll see someone, right? Like, there's always people backstage, and then they can obviously tell that you, you know, you just got to the theater. You may have a jacket on, you may have your bag, you may have your sunglasses, whatever it may be. You're not in costume, whatever. And they'll be like, Oh, welcome to Doshe. Like, yeah, let's go. And basically, what that is is like a total like energizer kind of phrase to like start your day because you're there so early, and then you're gonna have to be there until like midnight that same day because there's two shows that day and so like you get there at like 12 noon and then you'll have to leave at like 12 midnight so like it's a long day so people are always just trying to have fun and kind of getting each other going and pumping each other up to make sure that we all have energy to do two shows in one day so that's kind of what that is it's a lot of fun again these these words, the lingo that I've given you today is all about fun because that's all what theater is about to energize everyone and to bring some hope to all of you. So that's that's today's drama dictionary. Speaking of like little segments, let's turn it over to triple E. So that's Eli's entertainment experience. And that is a brand new segment that I'm so excited to start. And it's super fun. I I get a lot of questions about like, you know, what is it like to be a kid in show business and like be a kid while working? And I was actually like listening to a podcast this week. And I think, and that's something that was like, oh yeah, I should address this online. And they were like, you know, I would never want to put my kid into show business because it's really challenging. And, you know, like, it's, it's a lot of pressure and everything like that. And so like, I kind of want to address it and like, clear some things up. Because a lot of times, you know, when kids are in show business, and they're doing acting or theater or dancing or dance recitals, like whatever it may be, oftentimes, like, it's looked at as like, oh, you know, like, their parents probably are making them do this. And oftentimes, like, sure, that may be the case, but it's not always the case. Like, oftentimes, we're doing it because we like to do it. And we're also doing it because this is something fun to do right now. Like, who knows? Like, we have our entire lives to make a career out of it. And, like, if we want to do that, or we have our entire lives to start a brand new career because we are still... 13 or whatever it may be and we haven't gone to college yet so like we could do whatever we want with our lives so this is something that is really important to me obviously because this is how my life has been I've basically been a showbiz kid and I've traveled on tour and shows and I've been on Broadway and I'm working constantly and I just wanted to say like it definitely takes a toll on a kid, and. A lot of times is it's really, really cool and it's so much fun. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. But also it's like, you know, you're still a kid and it can be challenging to do school and work and auditions and all of that. And even going to a performing arts school, people truly don't understand what it's like to be a kid who's working. And they think it's so cool that like, oh, you know, you're doing theater and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, but it's a, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's, it is a job and it's a lot of work. And when, you know, like, it's hard to have like a childhood, I guess you could say for lack of a better word, but it it is. And like, you know, I'm in school and they're like, oh, can we hang out after school? And I'm like, I'd love to, but like, I can't. And like, oftentimes, you know, when kids aren't experiencing what you're experiencing, and they haven't gone through what you go through, like, you don't always, like, understand it. So it was hard for me, especially moving from, like, a different state, like, not knowing literally anyone in New York, and coming from West Virginia, it it was hard to, like, make friends, because, like, I could not hang out with anyone because I was working and and Pippin, you know, like that was my first Broadway show that like moved me to New York. There was only one other kid. So like, really, I had one friend and like my dad became my other best friend. And so like, it's just it's difficult. And it's like, you know, You miss out on a lot of fun things and like opportunities, but you give that all up to do what you love to do and to make a career and a name for yourself and go out there to inspire other people and not let other kids your age, you know, like bring you down or anything like that, because they definitely will. And like, that's the nature of this world. But that being said, being a showbiz kid definitely takes a toll on you mentally, it takes you a toll on you physically, it takes you a toll on you emotionally, and thankfully for me, I've had the right guidance and the right friends and family and support and cast members and everything like that to help keep me stay on track and continue to be a good person and continue to be a kid at heart and to continue to be all of those great things that I would be if I was just like a normal kid going to any other school and so I have a lot of people to thank obviously for that and I definitely wouldn't be the same kid I am today and I don't even know if I'd still love to act if it wasn't for the experiences that I've had but I truly owe it to my like support system because they've taught me to use this special gift and this unique journey that I've experienced in a positive way and to use it for good. And to use it in a way of like learning how to mature at a young age and learning how to be independent and learning how to prepare for life and have a job at such a young age and not spiral off track. So I'm hopeful that all the experiences that I've had will continue to guide me in the right direction and help have continued success in the future of whatever sorts whether it is in theater whether it is in movies or whether it's not even in acting or the in this entertainment industry at all so it's a big step and honestly like if your parents are forcing you into it like you have to make sure that you love it too because if you don't it can be really challenging because i've had friends that don't love it and their parents were forcing them to do it and it just did not go well and they're not in a great place today so it's definitely something that you have to like check in with yourself and take care of yourself and like i said like having a job and doing school's like teaches you all about like you know taking care of yourself and being independent and mature and everything at such a young age and not letting the people at school because you are becoming mature and becoming a a kind of independent young adult at such a young age like you can't let those people bring you down because i've had experiences even in performing arts school like People just, like, didn't understand what I was saying and, like, the experiences that I was trying to figure out because they couldn't relate to it and they thought it was weird that I was going through it. And, like, you can't let that bring you down and you just got to roll with the punches and take it day by day, but check in with yourself and continue to be strong and continue to do what you love and remind yourself why you are doing it. And that always is to inspire others and to bring a smile onto other people's faces. So that's my soapbox speech, everyone. (laughs) And I will leave you all with that for today's episode. But thank you for listening to this week's episode. That's 40 in the books. Oh my God, that's so exciting. Who knows, maybe one day we'll have a two in the near future. Um <laughs> but we're I'm experiencing with like a lot of things right now and I have a bunch of ideas, and I'm trying to figure out how to continue to create some fun content and entertainment for all of you. So thank you again for listening to this week's episode. Check us out at Take About Podcast on Instagram or check us out on patreon.com/slash T A B. For fun, exciting things uh, of all things, take a vow podcast and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you may be listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, whatever it may be. Yeah, so just thank you all for your continued support. And I hope to see you all next week for episode 41. Bye everyone, have a great week. For this episode's Curtain Call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron,